Welcome back to the Aeon Pensions podcast. In this episode, we talk to Karina Klimashevsky and Alex Skinner about the role of financial well-being in DC. We'll be discussing why is there so much focus on financial well-being at the moment? Who should be thinking about this? Who is responsible for it? And what trends came out of the survey? And now, time for the interview. Welcome back to the Aeon Pensions podcast. I'm here with Karina Klimashevsky and Alex Skinner. Welcome both. Hi. Hi. Karina, if you could start by telling us a bit about what you do here at Aeon. Yeah. So, hi, I'm Karina. Uh, I'm an actuary working in our retirement business. So, day to day, I advise clients on their pension strategy, but I'm also particularly passionate about well-being, uh, specifically financial well-being, which is why I'm here today, really. And Alex. Hi, my name's Alex Skinner. I'm an actuary in the retirement practice, just like Karina. Uh, I specialise in advising corporates, so finance teams and HR teams on various facets of their pension scheme, uh, particularly financing and risk management. Um, I also include in that benefit design, increasingly well-being and financial well-being is coming up in client conversations, a really hot topic at the moment, and I find it fascinating. So we're here today to talk about the Aon DC Pensions and Financial Wellbeing Member Survey which I believe is living the dream. It is, yes. So we're talking about the way well-being aspect today. So I kind of guess the, the sensible place to start is, what is financial well-being? I guess it's individuals' ability to be able to manage their financial part of life um, confidently and also effectively. So that's the day-to-day, but also being able to cope with unexpected things along the way. So... Here at Aon, we feel that financial well-being is part of broader well-being, which is more about helping individuals achieve their optimal health and performance. Uh, and as part of that, there are four key things involved. So there's physical, emotional, social and financial, which is what we're here to talk about today. So I guess going a bit more into what, what are the specifics of financial well-being? Well, just some examples might include how to manage debts, um, how to make sure you've got enough money when you retire, um, making sure that those you love are kind of covered in case the worst might happen, and also making sure you're saving efficiently. So all of those things together, pieced together, you know, comprise of financial well-being and being able to feel confident in that part of your life. And why is there so much focus on financial well-being, especially now? So I think there are many triggers. Um, if I just generalise for a moment... Um, Earlier this year, the Office of National Statistics reported that for the first time since records began, UK households are more likely to be borrowers than savers. So the amount of debt they're building up exceeds the amount they're actually depositing. Uh, Meanwhile, the ONS also reported earlier this year that the UK savings ratio is just about at its lowest level since the early 1960s. Uh, So in 2017, UK households saved less than 5% of their disposable income. Now, again, generalising, we think about uh, some of our our clients' employees. Uh, Some early in their career are coping with student debt while trying to gain a place in the property market and almost certainly not planning for the longer term or preparing for the unexpected. Those later in their career trying to pay down their mortgages and battling with an ever-increasing number of options when it comes to what they do to prepare for retirement, what they do at retirement, and how they draw down on their wealth once they're in retirement. Now let's put some numbers on this by turning to our survey. 
Um, I, I really think the survey, the survey shows there are some fundamental problems at every stage of the employee journey. The survey told, told us that gen generally respondents were confident on managing their money and confident in their ability to make decisions in the future. However, more than half of UK employees have not set any goal for how much money they need for, to save before they, re they fully retire. Nearly 20% don't even know how much their employer contributes towards their retirement savings. In addition, nearly half don't have any insurance coverage in place for financial protection. I also noted from the survey that 39% of respondents feel that outstanding debts are stopping them save more for retirement, and three in five are worried about not having enough money to retire when they actually want to. Now, coming back to your question, why is there so much focus on financial well-being now? Well, I think employers are realising finally that financial distress amongst their employees has a direct impact on business performance. So we're talking things like absenteeism, presenteeism, retention and productivity. Now, I think part of the problem is that in lots of cases, employees don't actually know what benefits, what financial education and what financial advice is actually being made available by their employer. If I look back at our global financial well-being survey from earlier this year, fewer than 10% of the companies that responded said their employees have good awareness of the financial well-being programs they offer. And, and actually almost half don't actually monitor the utilization or the success of those programs. So who should be thinking about this and who is responsible for it? Well, I guess the employer is the obvious answer. So employers have access to a large number of individuals so they can effectively roll out uh, financial well-being initiatives. Also, employers might be more able to take advantage of economies of scale compared to individuals approaching companies for these services directly. So just to give a bit of um, stats from our global financial well-being survey, Around 70% of respondents uh, felt that employers should provide at least an educational role in financial well-being. What I think will also be interesting in the future is whether or not shareholders will start to look at this as part of their key performance indicators, their KPIs. So surely an employer who invests in their employees' well-being um, will have a more motivated and engaged workforce who then might be able to uh, or be more likely really to deliver on their growth objectives so they may be more likely to give value to their shareholders. An interesting piece, I mean I said that employers are the most obvious choice so what about thinking about other things? Well our global um, financial wellbeing survey said that actually one of the most popular financial wellbeing initiatives is providing support for retirement or retirement sessions. So just thinking about that then, well, employers aren't the only people who are involved uh, with pension plans, so retirement. There are other stakeholders involved here. So one specific um, you know, group of people that I can think of is trustees, trustees of pension schemes who need to act in the best interest of members. Well, when an employer then is developing a financial well-being programme, I'd argue that there should probably be some collaboration with those that are running the pension plans so that whatever programmes are developed, think about the overall journey for the member and think about the whole, you know, more holistically so that the right level of support is provided to those individuals. So 
just thinking off the top of my head, those in their early part of their career, they might get as part of the financial wellbeing program, financial education. Well, actually, that would be really useful because that might help them to understand pensions more. And that might also help them to understand why it's so important to save for retirement. But then actually you need to then think about what the pension scheme is already providing in terms of communications and trying to link that all together as a whole. So I guess I would also argue the employer is important, but there should probably be some collaboration with all of those that run pension schemes as well. So isn't this just the sort of thing that you get from financial education seminars? And- well, I think financial education seminars are potentially just one part of the holistic financial wellbeing program Cronin was just talking about. Personally, I think we can actually view a financial wellbeing program as having, uh, I guess, three pillars. So the first is is employee benefits. So we're talking core benefits, flexible benefits, and voluntary benefits. I think we need to think about this as as, as financial education. So that's about improving understanding, breaking down barriers and making sure that employees are really getting the basics right. And then I think the third pillar is really financial advice or financial guidance. So that's about providing access to the right expertise and resources just when the employees need it. Now, I really think the employer needs to to really understand the needs of their employees to make sure they're getting maximum value for their spend and their efforts. Um, If I think about what they really need to do, well, I think they've got to start by reviewing their existing benefits, education and advice to understand what, just what employees have got access to right now. I think they need to survey their employees, and that could be written surveys, that could be focus groups, that could be interviews with key stakeholders. They've got to survey those employees to assess well-being and understand their needs and priorities. I think the next step, and, and this I think is, is really challenging, is for the employer to think about the impact that employee behaviours stemming from financial distress are having on business performance. That is a real challenge at the moment and we are working hard to help our clients tackle that challenge right now. I think once they've done that, they really need to create a broad programme of tools and services backed by the right comms and the right interventions to support the wellbeing needs of their employees at each stage of their journey and make sure they can cater for how the needs vary between different groups of employees. Now here at AM we've got, got a great framework that we use to help our clients put in place the right wellbeing programme and we call it the four P's. So the first is prepare and that's really about getting the basics right by influencing knowledge and skills. Next we have plan, so that's how does the employee use their benefits, how do they accumulate wealth, how, they, how do they manage debt and, and how do they balance the competing demands for cash now and cash in the future. The third is protect, so that's about how the employee prepares for the unexpected and protects against any adverse impact. And finally, uh, a topic quite close to my heart is preserve, so that's about how and when the employee transitions from work to retirement, how they draw down their assets, how they optimise state benefits, and how they manage bequests. Now, as I think we've alluded to earlier, it's not enough to simply put a programme in place. You've really got to circle back to the impact on business performance and check that the programme you've implemented is having the most success possible. So were there any interesting trends that came out of the survey? Yes, there were lots of interesting trends. Um, So I'd recommend if you or anyone else that's listening are interested, um, you can uh, download a summary of the report, and you can also register for the full survey uh, when it comes out. Um, 
But just now, I can only give you one of the many interesting uh, statistics and trends. But what I wanted to talk about was something interesting that came out about different segments of the workforce wanting different things. So certainly I, I work in retirement, so there's I always focus a lot on those approaching retirement, giving enough support for those approaching retirement. And that's fair. Those people have a big decision to, to make. It's really complicated. So we've always focused on providing those guys with support. But there are also some other areas, some other segments of the workforce that came out from our survey that might actually need some more support as well, which I found really interesting. So as an example, um, those people in their early part of their career, um, half of um, those in their early part of their career thought that dealing with money was stressful and overwhelming, and a quarter found it difficult to understand financial matters. So to me, that suggests that those guys might need some support there. They might need some training on financial education so they can get financial well-being and be more confident in financial life. And the statistics then provided further evidence. So around four in five of individuals in that part of their career, they wanted their employer to provide support on financial matters. So to me, that suggests that, you know, this section of the workforce might um you know, want, want access to support on a range of matters. Going on to the middle of their career, well, this was interesting too, because these guys felt they were least likely to get by financially for at least three months without income. So they were feeling more of a squeeze in the middle of their career. I guess they must have a lot of different demands at that point. So they might have mortgages to pay off, childcare to pay, holidays to go on, lots of different things that they're saving for at the same time. So maybe more support might be needed for those guys about how to make use of your money most efficiently, effectively, you know, try and save where you can and trying to get the, the best value of things where you do have to buy them, you know, and stuff like that. So that was a bit of a different, different to the early career, but again, showing that there might be uh, some support needed there as well. Interestingly, that's, that group were least optimistic about their financial situation. So those in their early part of their career, they came in and they were they were fairly optimistic. They were the most optimistic of the bunch, of, of, you know, on their financial situation. Then moving towards the middle of their career, um, you then had the least optimistic. And then towards retirement, people became more optimistic again. All of this to me just suggests that there are different groups of people here. You know, your workforce isn't isn't one big group. Different people need different support. And I guess for me, it just shows that when thinking about a financial wellbeing programme and developing that, you really do need to understand what different groups of employees need. Oh, really interesting. Mm -hmm. I kind of guess it shows as well that, um, you know, the, the various points in people's careers where, you know, all these other distractions come into play. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing um, that with us. Um, we'll put the links to the um, the reports in the show notes. Uh, but thanks both for your time. Thank no you. Problem. Thank you. To download your copy of the summary and sign up for the full report, visit aon.com forward slash DC pensions. This podcast was brought to you by Aon Hewitt Limited, who are authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.